You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his Good morning. I am glad to have the chair this morning. I, uh, I've had a tough week, another uh, long COVID flare-up nine days ago, and, and it's, it's been tough, not as bad as the one in January, and so I'm, so I'm back uh, a little sooner than last time, but uh, energy is still pretty low, and then you throw in the time change, my lowest energy time of the day is typically about 8.30 to 10.30 in the morning, and so we're, uh, we're just starting to come out of that time when you factor in the time change. Usually by the time I get up to preach, I'm starting to feel a little better. Right now, still kind of low. So thank you for your prayers. Uh, keep praying for me. Pray for me now, if you don't mind, and ask God to, to give me strength. But I'm glad to be with you today, and, and if God will give me strength, we'll share his word together for a few minutes. We've been working our way through the gospel of John. We're not going to hit every text in John, but we're hitting uh, most, most of it and, and uh, all the uh, most important parts. Our text today is the story of Jesus' greatest miracle, uh, but it, it starts strangely. It, it actually starts with Jesus not working a miracle that he could have worked. He could have. Let's start in John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, <clears throat> Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. We get the impression here that Jesus was very close to this family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. When the sisters send word to Jesus about Lazarus' illness, they say, Lord, the one you love is sick. Sounds like they knew what a close relationship Jesus and Lazarus had. And when the sisters send Jesus that message, when they write and say, Lord, the one you love is sick, what do you think they want Jesus to do? You know, what do you, what do you think they're asking him for? 
The first person close to me that I ever lost was my grandmother, Betty Anderson. Jim and Mary Jo Mendenhall, you knew her long before I did. And I praise God for that. She died of leukemia when, I was, when she was in her 50s and I was about three years old. So I, I don't really remember her. Maybe just barely, just a tiny bit. But I know my, my grandpa and my grandma were both longtime faithful, lifelong Christians. Loved God tremendously. Served in his church. I know my grandpa prayed for her healing and I'm sure the whole church did too. She was a very faithful believer. I, I wonder sometimes why God didn't heal her. And I don't really have an answer to that question. The first time a friend of mine died was when I was 11 years old. It was a freak accident. And he was in surgery all day. And they tried and tried to save him, and and they just couldn't. And when I got word of what had happened, I I couldn't sleep that night. I just, I couldn't understand why he was gone and why why God didn't didn't save him. I, I still don't understand You've had people you loved who got sick and were not healed, though you prayed. And it's hard to reconcile that, A, God can heal any injury, any disease. He can. And B, he doesn't always do it. And I know we can't all live forever in this world and in these mortal bodies. I know a time must come when we leave these bodies and, and pass from this life until Jesus comes again. And I look forward to the glorified new body that God has promised us. But still, I just, I just don't understand. And yet, paradoxically, this story that begins with Jesus not helping his dear friend Lazarus helps me a little. Verses 5 and 6 say, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Some English translations obscure this a little. It's clearer in the Greek that John wrote in. That because Jesus loved this family, he stayed where he was two more days. Well, that was long enough that Lazarus grew worse and died. So how does that make any sense? And this comes immediately after Jesus says in verse 4 that this sickness will not end in death, but that God and his son are going to be glorified through it. But Lazarus dies. Jesus and his disciples journeyed to Bethany, Lazarus' village. It was just over the top of of, um, the Mount of Olives from Jerusalem. Which is why the disciples are a little hesitant. Back at the end of chapter 8, some of the Jews tried to stone Jesus. In, in Jerusalem. And so Jesus' life and his disciples' lives are at risk if they go anywhere near Jerusalem. And yet, they go. They, they go so that they can be with Lazarus' sisters as they grieve. <clears throat> so let's continue reading in verse thir- uh, 17. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Boy, it's not hard to imagine how Mary and Martha were feeling about Jesus at this moment. In verse 21, the first thing Martha says to Jesus is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And what's the first thing Mary says to him in verse 32? Same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Are they merely expressing sorrow that Jesus didn't make it in time? Or are they accusing Jesus like, you could have come more quickly. We contacted you. Why didn't you come? And some of the Jews there to support the family ask in verse 37, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? But Jesus came too late. Too late to work the miracle they needed. And he doesn't explain why. And we have this same frustration with God. Anytime he doesn't heal us, doesn't rescue us, doesn't grant what we plead for in prayer. And yet, yet it's hard to be too angry with Jesus in this story. Because look how tender he is with Martha and then with Mary. He listens to their complaints. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't scold them for being upset. He just listens. Then he talks with them. With Martha, he reminds her of her ultimate hope, which is our ultimate hope too. In verse 23, he says, your brother will rise again. And she replies, I know. I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. And that's our hope in God, that death is not the end. Isaiah 25 says a day is coming when God will swallow up death forever. Daniel 12 says a day is coming when the dead will rise again, the righteous to everlasting life. Martha would have known those prophecies straight out of Scripture, and she believed them. But when someone we love dies, that great day seems so far away. But even at that moment, we need to remember this hope. In verses 25 and 26, Jesus brings that hope closer. He says, 
I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And Martha believes that Jesus is God's son, the Messiah. But Jesus isn't saying only that he will raise the dead someday. He's saying he is resurrection. He is life. Where he is, life is there. Where he is, death cannot reign. He is resurrection. He is life. And we need that hope. And yet there he was with Mary and with Martha. And their brother Lazarus was dead. Jesus was there, but Lazarus was in the tomb. Jesus was so tender with Mary, too. Verse 33 says that when Jesus saw her and the Jews with her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says Jesus was angry in his spirit. That's actually possibly a better translation of the key word in Greek there. Instead of deeply moved, he was angry. Death and all the agony and hopelessness it brings made him angry. God is not a big fan of death. Now, God decreed that human beings must die. He placed this curse on us because of our sin and the sin of our ancestors all the way at the very beginning. But he is not happy about it and doesn't intend to keep it that way forever. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 26 calls death our enemy and says God is going to destroy it. And so God decreed death because of human sin, but not forever. In God's universe, sin, uh, death does not get the last word. And Jesus' strong emotion in the presence of death, his anger at its evil, shows us how, that he totally gets how we feel in the face of death. And he feels much the same way. Yet, yes, he's going to raise the dead. He is the resurrection and the life. But there with Mary, as they went to Lazarus' tomb, what did Jesus do? Verse 35, one of the shortest verses in the whole Bible. If you want a memory verse, just a beginner level, start with this one. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. I want you to know that as we human beings grapple with the reality of death, our God is so tender. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Psalm 116 says, God cares at that moment, and God is near at that moment. And I have no doubt that he welcomes his people into his presence when we pass from this life. Because Philippians 1 verse 23 says that when we depart this life, we go to be with Christ. And that's a very good thing. I look forward to that. And yet that transition, that moment, is still hard. And in the face of death, Jesus is tender. He weeps with us. Even knowing what he's about to do at Lazarus' tomb, he weeps. I'm grateful to have a Savior, a Lord, who is willing and not ashamed to stand with us and weep. If that were the end of the story... Jesus would be very sweet, but not very helpful. He would be able to give comfort, but not much hope. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And the story of Jesus and Lazarus does not end with weeping. Let's continue at verse 38. 
Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Lazarus came out of the tomb, alive, walking. In chapter 7, verse 25, Jesus claimed that a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And now it happens. Jesus, after prayer, calls to the dead man, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out alive and still wrapped in his burial cloths, wrapped so that from what I've read, he could probably only shuffle out of the tomb. His arms would have been bound to his sides. His legs would have been wrapped together. That's why Jesus said, send someone to, you know, somebody go un unwrap the poor guy. Jesus' voice, the voice of the Son of God is so powerful that this dead man's spirit is recalled to his body, reunites with it. The body itself is healed. His sickness is gone. There's no more decomposition. Everything is made whole. Lazarus breathes again. In an instant it happens. He stands up and he walks out of his tomb. And someone has speculated that the voice of Jesus, the Son of God, is so powerful that if he had not specified Lazarus come out, all the dead might have risen that day. And that's exactly what we believe will happen one day because it's what Jesus said he will do. And he proved his power to do it when he spoke Lazarus back to life. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 says the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. There's his powerful voice. The archangel will call out. The trumpet of God will sound. And the dead in Christ will rise. That's what Martha believed would happen, that the dead would rise again at the last day. But now she sees a preview of that day in the rising of her own brother. Now, this was not the first time Jesus had raised someone from the dead. But it was the greatest resurrection he performed until, of course, God raised him from the dead. But that wasn't him doing it to himself. It was God doing it to him. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus raises a widow's only son from the dead. But that young man's body hadn't even been taken to the tomb yet. It was on its way there when Jesus encountered it. So he had probably only been dead a few hours or maybe a day at the most. They tended to bury their dead pretty quickly. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus raises a 12-year-old girl back to life, but she's only been dead minutes. These were amazing miracles, both, but not like this one. Jews at this time believed that the spirits of the deceased stayed around the body for about three days, just hoping to be able to be reunited, be resuscitated. And then once, once decomposition set in, then they departed Went to, went to God or wherever God sent them. 
Lazarus was past the three-day expiration date. He had been in the tomb four days. His spirit was gone. His body was decomposing. It was too late. Maybe if Jesus had arrived a day earlier. But Jesus raised him from the dead anyway. An hour, a day, four days, four decades, four millennia makes no difference when the spirits of the departed hear the majestic voice of the Son of God who with his Father created the heavens and the earth and life itself who is himself resurrection and life. When he speaks, the death cannot withhold what he demands. When he commands, life resumes. When he cries out, death falls away and life reigns forever. Which makes it all the more bizarre that this same Jesus died. He is the resurrection and the life, and yet he died. And yet with Jesus, death is never the end. Not for him, not for Lazarus, not for those who follow him, not for those who put their hope in him. What do we do with this? This claim verified at the tomb of Lazarus that Jesus can and will and does raise the dead. If we believe that, what do we do with it? And even if we can't go back and review the video footage of that day at Lazarus's tomb and what actually happened, we have strong evidence that Jesus himself was raised from the dead and that in that act, God personally confirmed everything we read in the scriptures about Jesus. And so if we believe that Jesus raises the dead, what do we do with that information? There's one final piece to the story of Lazarus that we'll cover today. It sort of brings out this question. What do we do with this? Verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. They plotted to take his life. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And the Jewish leaders want to kill him for it. Why would they do this? Well, because they're afraid that with all these signs he's performing, these great things he's doing, he's going to gather lots of followers, start a revolt, rebel against the Roman Empire. The Romans' greatest nation in the world at that time will send their armies and just crush the rebellion and destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple. And so out of fear for the nation, and certainly also for themselves because they got their power from the Roman government, they refuse to believe in Jesus even when he raises the dead. You can believe Jesus raises the dead and that there's a great resurrection day coming and still refuse to follow Jesus. But verse 45 says, many of the Jews who had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead believed in Jesus. And for them and for all who follow Jesus, everything in life is filled with hope. 
and is recentered around the, the reality that God, through Jesus, his son, raises the dead. That fact recenters our whole lives. And it gives us hope every day. Jesus is so tender in the face of death. He is so powerful over death. And in both his tenderness and his power, we put our hope. We believe that one day Jesus will raise the dead. We, we reenact uh, his own death, burial, and resurrection in our baptism. And we pre-enact our own resurrection in our baptism. When we are put down into the water and then brought up out of it into a new life. That's part of the meaning of, of baptism. That's one of the reasons Jesus said uh, those who begin to follow him need to be baptized as they become his disciples. We believe that one day Jesus will raise the dead, and we proclaim that in our baptism. And in the meantime, until that great day comes, we are comforted by his tenderness, even if we don't always understand why he doesn't always heal us, even if it's hard for us to make sense of that. Still, we trust him. We believe in him. We follow him. We honor him, and we love him. The resurrection and the life. The one who believes in him will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in him will never, in the ultimate sense, die. By God's grace, may we follow him today. And so be ready when he comes again and commands the dead to rise. May God bless you. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for being so tender with us who are mortal. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for Jesus, our Lord, by whom you displayed your awesome power in the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead, bringing yourself glory and honor in the sight of those who saw it that day and those of us who have heard about it ever since. Lord, we put our hope in you again today. Strengthen us. Bring us through every difficulty. Keep our eyes focused on you and fill us with the hope of Jesus, who is our resurrection and our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.